Welcome and step into the minds of addiction recovery. Hello, I'm your host, Brett C. It is an honor to bring into light one of the darkest aspects of our society, addiction. With 20 years of active addiction and 20 years of sobriety, I hope to bring together all listeners on a journey of inspiration and education. With my co-host Jared F. and Rich J., we will be sharing our experience, strength, and hope for all listeners to enjoy and have fun with. Now, F3 Recovery brings you the Super Sober Podcast. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Super Sober Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to be doing more talking on sobriety as always here on the Super Sober Podcast. We've gone through seven episodes leading up to the eighth here. We did steps one, two, three. We did the last episode on seven was four and five, the infamous four and five. Now we're going to be delving into six and seven, the meat and potatoes of the program. We've gone over a lot in the first episodes. If you haven't seen them, go ahead and catch up with us. We have um, our guests here, and we're going to be going over that. We're going to be going with our sobriety dates and everything. If you haven't seen the Super Sober podcast yet, the format's basically the same, but we're going to be delving into six and seven on the steps of the program. My name is Brett C. My sobriety date is 42103. I'm an RN with a BSN. I've been working in hospitals for a long time. Been working in treatment for coming up on November 3rd would be nine years with alcoholics and addicts. Uh, yes. And we'll move over to the left. Hi, my name is Rich. Uh, my recovery date is October 5th, 2013. I've worked in substance abuse, uh, mental health since about 2014. And I'm also currently in nursing school. Um, two more months, I graduate in RN. Thanks. My name is Mike D, and I have a sobriety date of January 18th of 2020. I am a self-employed accountant and have been doing so for over 30 years. Nice. 30 years of fixing financial wreckage. Man, good job. <laughs> so what we're going to be doing is going over some more stuff with the remote tax doctor later on in the podcast. We're going to be doing six and seven, like I've mentioned a few times here. But going through the last, if you haven't seen the last episode on seven, to do get to your character defects, we have to do a good character reflect. Without doing a good character reflect, we're not going to have a lot of our character defects out there blatantly that our sponsor and that four and five have revealed for us to take a look at. So they say this is the step that separates the men from the boys, the girls from the ladies, and it's a daunting process that we're going to be going through right now. There's a lot of misconcepts about how to practice this or how we're going to go through with this. But we know that going through the 12 step program, whichever one you're in or whatever one you're practicing is a lifetime process. We're not asking you to just go through this once, get your little degree and then move on with your life. Six and seven is something to stay accountable for the rest of your life. So we're going to be breaking down what the subconscious is doing. It's time to think about what you're thinking about. It's time to see about what's going on and how you've been building the character that you are right now. We're going to be breaking down thoughts, actions, and emotions that have built you up to where you are in this point where you come into your life. And then we're asking you to change it because what's driven you to change now is whatever the scenario might be. But mostly it's behind drugs and alcohol. And then you've been able to stay in this marinating aspect of your life. You first had a triggering point that allowed you to get into some kind of mood in your life. 
and you've marinated on that mood and then that became a temperament and that was over months of time and it's like well what happened to you and it's like well this scenario happened to me and then it really frustrated me and then now i'm in this mood for the last four or five months and that temperament that mood moved into a temperament and that's become over maybe about a year of time and if you keep on going that becomes a personality trait so it takes time to build to build these characteristics of our lives you know our thoughts and our actions our emotions make our personality and our personality makes our personal reality these are different things that people like joe dispenza and bruce lipton talk a lot about and that's called metacognition if um Solomon can pull up the definition of metacognition. That would be really awesome. So what I would talk at this point that a lot of people's characteristics have put their self on what I call a defeat on repeat process. It's a negative feedback loop that we've done on one of these character defects. And up on the screen, we have metacognition, which is an awareness and understanding of one's own thought processes. So if we don't go back in, the steps really shine a light upon us in this process of being metacognitive. I know it's a very fancy word and it breaks it down, but here it is. So now we're going to look at it. We did a four and five with our sponsor. We did a one, two, and three, and we're starting to break in and ask for help in how we're doing and what we're powerless over and really developing who we are in the program. And without that, without six and seven right in the middle, and that's why they put it there, then we're never going to really break the habit of being ourselves. And that's also a book from Joe Dispenza. And then they have uh, The Biology of Belief from Bruce Lipton. And there's so many other people out there that are teaching how the brain works, how the body works, how it syncs up. It's time to really start learning. Most people never get awareness to a point to what they're thinking about. And that's what the program shines a light at. And that's why a lot of people run from four, five, and six, and seven. So just meant, just, just know that once you get to a certain point in how the brain works and the subconscious works, that 95% of a person's day is ran from their subconscious. They're just a repeat process of all their thoughts and their actions looped through another day because their thought life has not been changed on any point. But we know through the program that our thought life will be put on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And we go through the day and we've gone through a lot so far on this podcast so that's why we would encourage you to start off on one and then catch up with us on eight. But if you're seeing us now on eight, then so be it. Here we are talking about six and seven. So there's a lot leading up to it. So I'm glad that you pulled up the metacognition on that, um, Solomon. And it's not hard to find out also what the seven deadly sins are. If Solomon can pull up the seven deadly sins over here. And those are easy to get with our character defects. So, um, you got any guys got anything on the character defect process? Yeah, just uh, so what I think of is like we're talking about like working in treatment. Um, mm -hmm. You see a lot of different types of therapies, right? And so we see CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and that kind of ties directly in with what you were talking about, like mm -hmm. uh, trying to um, trying to gain new neuro pathways, right? right. So through uh, recognizing our thoughts and so what cbt essentially is is um slowing down enough to be able to recognize the thoughts that you have that are distorted and that are that are incorrect that don't have any evidence like 
not having any having any evidence to support what's actually going on and i know for me like um prior to getting clean and prior to like uh working on myself and doing it you know step four and five which directly segue us into six and seven um i just ran on i was just like autopilot right there was no there was no distorted or not distorted it was just it just was what it was you know and then i behaved accordingly and so after four and five, which is where I took like a really good look at uh, my behavior and took responsibility for some of my behavior and, uh, and got honest for the first time in my life, um, then I was able to like, first, first I had to, first I had to like admit that there were things, there were ways that I thought that were wrong and then find out what those were. And uh, six and seven is kind of where, um, is where I start to like slow down and I like to tie it in with like CBT. It's where I start to like to be able to see my thoughts and kind of be able to acknowledge my thoughts for the first time in my life. I was never able to acknowledge my thoughts for what they were. They were just like so quick and uh, hardwired. Yeah. Through doing that. And like, I, I, and, I, and I was telling these guys before the podcast, like some of those things are, are now a part of my personality. And, and so even like, 10 years clean now, I still struggle with some of the same ways of thinking. However, it's important to point out that there was ways of thinking that I came in with that are now no longer a part of my life. So, so some of it's still there yeah. and, some, and some of it's gone. And so like, that's the key here is like, even over 10 years, like not all of it has went away, you know, right. but I have, I have new neuropathways and I have new ways of thinking that I just didn't have before. And so as a result, um, I operate differently and I think a little bit differently. Now, some things I, I don't, you know, some ways I don't. Like, for instance, like to be completely honest, I haven't gotten any physical, like any physical altercations since I've been clean. But I, but I used to get in physical alter- altercations all the time when I was getting high because that was just how I did, how I dealt with things. Even when I was a kid, like in middle school, that's how I learned how to deal with things. Yep. And uh, still today, my brain thinks that like violence is the answer to a lot of to a lot of things it's kind of like it's kind of my go-to yeah, thought you'll, you'll think about attacking somebody but you won't so that's it. so that's the key, right <laughs> is 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 it's it's still to me it still kind of bothers me that that's the way i think however i don't i, I don't behave in that way so the character defect essentially you could say that it's still there because i still think that way However, the behavior shows differently, and that's, that is growth. And it's important to recognize that because for me, I can get really upset at myself for thinking a certain way, but I got to ask myself, does my behavior match the thought? And it doesn't, it doesn't anymore. You know, it's been 10 years, and I haven't, haven't done shit like that in 10 years, and it's amazing, you know? And so um, sometimes, I think, sometimes I think that, like, especially with that one, there's like certain ones that I'm like, and this thing's just going to be a part of me forever. Like it's part of my personality at this point, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm always going to like at least have a fleeting thought of like, oh, this is, you know, that's going to that's gonna be there. However, if the behavior doesn't match it, that's, that's, that's good. That's, that's what we're looking for. Right. You know, and then I got to be nice to myself about having those thoughts, you know. And so um, that's what it is for me. So that character defect is for 10 years essentially gone like i said the thought's still there but there's many others too that go along with that so 
Yeah, that's really good. Let's pull up the full first slide here and then get into six, and Mike can break down. This is one of the slides that I've gone into, and you guys saw the seven deadly sins up there on the last slide. Those were just kind of a guideline really quick of some of the easy character defects to get to. But step six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defect of character. So what is the purpose of this step? How do you complete this step? What are some of the tips for completing step six? What are some of the myths about it? There's a lot to, to go into about these right here. Why don't you break down a little bit of this stuff of, and I know the next slide on this one, you don't have to go to it yet, Solomon, but is some of the information that Mike sent me that he would go over. So go ahead and break down a little bit of six and seven for us. Yeah, so just my own experience with step six, I learned how to, uh, a little trick, which was to take my thought and put it in a thought bubble like in a cartoon strip. Yeah. And that really helped. It slows you down, mm -hmm. uh, which was already mentioned. And, That's a great idea. Um, and you can observe it and look at it and scrutinize it if you need to. Uh, then you can decide whether or not that's a true thought or do I react, do I respond, do I do nothing and just let it float away. That's a great idea. Yeah. So with step six, um, one of the things that I get from sponsees when that when we get to step six is they think that step six is going to be the beat myself up step, uh, looking at character defects. And I've heard lots of different methods for dealing with step six. Some people will have their sponsee only capture maybe 12 character defects out of the dozens that there are available. Uh, the checklist that I use with my sponsees has both the character defects and they're repeated through using synonymous words because one word may not resonate with the sponsee, but then they'll see a synonymous word that resonates with them and they'll check that character defect off. The other thing is that I want them to do a full inventory, which the big book talks about. And I want them to also recognize and check off any character assets that they have. The other way of looking at that checklist is moving our character defects into character assets. Right. So uh, the way that the list is shown, maybe we can show that list now. Yeah. So the checklist of flaws and assets. So you'll see where a lot of them are repeating, but as I said, in a synonymous way, as well as the assets as well. So what I do is uh, you'll see on there, I added today's date because I want my sponsee to date their, when they took this inventory. In the first year of sobriety, I have them do this four times. So once a quarter, I have them go update it because I want to see, I want them to see the progress that they've made while working step six. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Good idea. I do note on there that it's I combine this inventory into step six and seven because what I learned in a Joe and Charlie workshop was that Bill Wilson did not want to use the word character defect twice in the right. steps. And so he, in step seven, he calls it shortcomings. Right. But essentially, it's the same thing, the character defects. Right. See, that's awesome. So, I mean... Every 
sponsor that takes you through the steps isn't going to be the same as every sponsor. There's so many ways to do it. If we can go back a, a slide or so, Solomon, we're going to have you doing a lot of slide jumping, I guess, today. <laughs> so so six and seven go with each other. So we were talking about it before, being entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So we're becoming ready to really start taking action and to see where we are in our growth. If you don't, If you're not doing journaling and you're not doing this process of what we're getting into on six and seven, and to continue to do it, that's a great thing to have someone practice that. See where you're at in four months. See where you're at in eight months. See where you're at in 12. Or quarterly would be every three months. And that's a great thing to have. So if you don't have any kind of trajectory of growth inventory process going on, then you're not going to see it, and you can easily get discouraged. And then what Rich was sharing about that, I can tell you at 20 years of practicing the program that I still in, into the, the violent side of things of my characteristic growing up and then how I was taught as a young kid being a, a son of a football and wrestling coach and just the way things were that a lot of the time I'll default into my sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system turning on and then I'm in fight and it's rarely flight. But when I'm in my addiction, it's a lot of freeze. So that's the fight, flight, and freeze thing. And then now we've turned it into what F3 recovery is about. It was into free form and flowing, turning that sympathetic nervous system. And when it comes on, we still just keep moving forward. We're not, we put the thing, the thought into the thought bubble or however you're going to practice it and start being aware of changing that aspect of our lives. So on number seven, so now we become willing and then we get your character defects and we start looking at them objectively so we're not asking you to get all frustrated and we're not trying to beat you down like mike said when he talks with his sponsees we're not working on just beating you over the head with all your character defects we're offering you solutions do you want to be a jealous envious sloth ridden guilt ridden frustrated easily agitated person the rest of your life with your only coping skill is adjusting people places and things so you don't feel uncomfortable with your own character defects. That's how people spend a lot of their life. They'll get rid of mostly everybody around them, and then they'll jump out into a new group of people or a new place or do um, geographics and a lot of that stuff. So we're looking at humbly on step seven, humbly ask them to remove our shortcomings. That's what step seven is about, realizing that you absolutely trust God to remove all of your symptoms by giving you new roots. If you're completely ready for this, it will change your outlook on life. To accomplish this, you need humility. Remember, it is impossible for your defects to be removed if you keep practicing them. <laughs> so we're looking for some separation. A lot of people come in here, and it takes two to tango. So we come in here, and we're in a lot of bad relationships, a lot of sick things. So what happens if you start removing yourself from those? The people that are used to arguing with you and being in that sick relationship don't want you to go right? Mm -hmm. So step seven is where we grow into who we're supposed to become. The key word is the step is humbly. This is where we begin to develop maturity. I think that's, so that, that part right there, step seven is where we grow into who we are supposed to become. So um, it reminds me of, okay, so like when I think of change and I, I think of the change from, from when, I, when I first started coming around and like my fear of change, um, and so 
this is like that step where if I abandon who I think I am, who the hell am I going to be? You know? And, uh, cause we write it all out in four and f- four and five. And then, so it's there staring us in the face and we know that this is how we operate. This is who we think we are. This is, this is the person or the identity that we've carried for however long. And, uh, who am I without that? And so, and so step seven is where we grow into who we are supposed to become. It's like, there's a, there's definitely a faith in this, in this step, just saying like, okay, like I'm ready to be whoever I'm supposed to be. I'm ready to abandon this because if we're not ready to abandon it, abandon it, we're going to just keep playing with it. Right. And we're going to keep acting on it. And it says it's impossible for defects to be removed if you keep practicing them. So if you want to hang on to them, then you're not going to get rid of them. But this is that step of going, all right, I'm willing to let this go. It's a let go step, you know? And, um, so for, so for myself, uh, I guess in that context, if we look at it um, at like as like my, my behavior, um, I, I, a lot of my behaviors did change with this step because I was willing I was willing to practice new behaviors. Right, all of my bad behaviors were staring me in the face from four and five, and then I said, "All right, I'm willing to stop practicing these behaviors, even though I'm absolutely terrified of who I'm going to become without them because they're comfortable to me." Now, here's the question that comes. But the thoughts now. didn't change. But, that, but I get, so after reading this, I'm like, it's okay that the thoughts didn't change as long as the behavior changed. That's the key. Because like I said, I'm still sitting here today with a lot of the same thoughts. Just the behavior doesn't go along with it anymore. And, uh, and it's, I don't know, man, it's been awesome. And, and with that, uh, my life has changed. Exactly. Do you think with your same character defects that you came in with that you would be able to navigate the nursing program? I, I wouldn't. Or I'd be like in, this I'd be level in jail. I'd be in jail. You know, I'd be in jail, I mean, or I'd a, be. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be. I don't even know. I don't even know what. I, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just crazy how different and how practically applicable these two steps are with right here, and it's um, it's unbelievable. So we're gonna talk about one of the next slides. If Mike wants to go over that one again too, I think. These are some of the questions that you had sent me, right, on the email? Yes. So on step seven, uh, one of the things that I've always stressed, uh, which Rich already brought up, was changing the behaviors when you do recognize the, the negative thoughts or your constant companions or character defects. The, um, the process that I use Again, using that thought bubble and then ultimately first thing in the morning doing my seven-step prayer so that I can start my day out already on that mental note of I'm going to be watching for my character defects. So the, the most common thing for me is that because my character defects are so ingrained from years and years and years of using them as my coping mechanism, tools, whatever the situation led to in the past, that the character defects were always my default mechanism. The, the process of step seven, 
for me, like it says on the slide, give up self-reliance for reliance on a higher power, whatever that may be to you. Learn to practice humility and put character building ahead of comfort. So that that's very reflective of how I look at step seven is that I'm getting out of my comfort zone now. The part about uh, the tips for completing this step, be willing to suffer and feel pain. Yeah, I love it's that It's important one. to feel that pain you mask, to feel the pain that you mask with alcohol. Yes. It's a necessary step toward recovery and spiritual well-being. So I look at both these steps. You know, when we look at the, the program of recovery and what sobriety, true sobriety means, it does not just mean abstinence from drinking or drugging. There's Absolutely. an emotional sobriety. There's a spiritual sobriety. And I think of those in the form of a three-legged stool. You might be able to balance on that stool if you remove one of those legs for a little while, but you're definitely going to fall if you take out two of those. Right. So step seven helps me on the spiritual plane. Step six helps me on the emotional plane, realizing uh, the character defects that I struggled with and how I just, my mode of operandi through my life um, and how it was already brought up about step seven being the catalyst for change and wanting to not be that old Mike anymore. Right. I definitely do not want to be that old Mike anymore. Um, and for me, if I still continued on in my character defects and never worked these steps, Again, I would be jails, institutions, and death, like our shout out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> to our mascot there. And it, it's freeing. Yes. Um, yes. Another, we're not on step 10, but the way that the step 10 inventory works for me is it is a quick bullet point reflection of step six. Right. So step 10 is an awesome way to continue to work step six and seven on a daily basis. Yes, it's so powerful. I mean, we're we're just throwing nuggets out here all over the place. I hope the audience is enjoying that. And when we were talking about earlier, it's right here. What are some of the myths about step seven? Humility isn't necessary for recovery. You can't see your shortcomings without stripping yourself of your ego and pride. The unfiltered look into yourself allows you to develop a humble attitude and correct your moral defects. Can you pull up the definition of humility? Humility, a modest or low view of one's importance, humbleness. He needs the humility to accept that there may be, that their way may be better. That's right. <laughs> I have to put that out there. Yeah, so it even says it on that last bullet point, if you can jump back to that uh, Solomon, uh, that one right there, that humility is not necessary for recovery. All these things you don't have to have everything in place for recovery. You can just keep working on it and you'll see the change. Sometimes we can't spot it. That's why we have sponsors and then we get into the fellowship and we have friendships that develop. And there's also more collateral information, definitely. And I wanted to talk about one of the great books that um, hopefully your sponsor or that you'll read on six and seven. And But we'll first go into the seven-step prayer. Can we pull up that slide? The seventh step, Mike alluded to it. This is one of the two steps that you will be suggested to learn in the program. That's step three and step seven. 
So step seven, we'll go over it, the seven-step prayer. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray now that I pray that you now remove every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. This is a super powerful prayer, just like the third step. It's like, I am now willing that you remove all of these defects of characters. Why? So we could be more usefulness to our fellows, to everybody. My character defects, when we were talking about earlier, with you'll, you'll see as you remove them, the more you're able to connect with people, the less that you're going to be in this process of separation. And this is when life starts happening for you instead of to you. This is where a spiritual plane really starts delving in deep into your experience here on earth and then into a higher level of thinking. And that's also what develops into the, the book called Drop the Rock, which pull up the next slide. And this goes into removing character defects. There's always more literature and collateral literature and ways to practice the program. So life, if you go through it and you pray these prayers, and you work this program well, you'll see that your higher power in life gives you opportunities to shave off these character defects. You'll review your day on a step 10, and you'll see that life was happening for you to act differently. And it'll be a scenario, but if you're not being aware of what's going on, you'll be like, oh my God, you can't believe what this person did to me today. And it's like, no, that's not what they did to you. This is what life was happening for you, so you didn't have to react anymore. So you can build and develop the new you. So in Drop the Rock, they give the example of the very beginning of it where they're on a ship. And that the recovery has been referred to as the life raft of, in the middle of uh, turbulent seas of, of our, of our um, reality. And then we're sober on it. And then all of the chaos is happening around it. And we're on this lifeboat. So they give the analogy in the beginning of Drop the Rock where the other people that are practicing the steps are on it and they're doing fine and they're just cruising along. And then here comes one of the newcomers and they're coming in the water, but they can't float yet because they're carrying all the rocks and that's all their character defects. And then the people on the boat, they're like, drop the rock, drop the rock. And that's kind of the premise behind the drop the rock book, which is really right in your face in a step six and seven. So how many people have been dragging their whole all these rocks with them their whole life. I remember when I had my spiritual awakening, I felt 50 pounds lighter. And you're going to feel lighter as you go through this. And it's like, just drop the rock. And people have been holding on to their old stuff for so long that, like what Rich was saying earlier, what am I going to be? Well, yeah, and it's necessary <laughs> to let go of it if you want to stay clean. Right. You know, because all of that stuff is directly tied in with that other big behavior that we're trying to get away from, getting loaded. You know what I mean? Right. So you can't really, it's kind of difficult to have, to 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 want to to want to drop that defect, but hold on to the rest of these defects and think you're not going to act on this one over here, <laughs> right? So it, it is it is a necessary part of, uh, of real change, lasting change. Yeah, so one of the, the ways to practice your character defect removing and drop the rock is they put all their character defects like maybe on that slide, and then you put it on a little piece of paper and you throw it into a bowl. So you got all your character defects into a bowl, and then you grab one from that day, whatever it is, 
and then you practice it for that day. I love symbolic stuff like that. Yeah. I love like like active symbolic stuff like that. Right. It's it's very it's been very helpful. For and me. then you'll see that life will probably magically appear or spiritually happen that gives you an opportunity to practice that character defect. Time to get on a higher plane and what's going on here. You're just not floating through all this stuff alone and there's we're just talking about some hocus pocus maybe happening every once in a while. We're talking about millions of people practicing this, going through six and seven and becoming a different person and practicing. These are, these are coping skills that should be taught across the board to develop a better person. So I, it, it's crazy all the character defects that I got just from listening to teachers growing up. And, you know, I come from a family of teachers and my parents had all the best interests in my in mind to develop a, a good young healthy young man and develop into a healthy adult and of course they would go brett you didn't learn any of that from us but i learned some some stuff that was handed down through generations in my family as healthy as they thought they were but looking back in life now it's like well, there was a lot of uh character defects and a lot of things that should have been shined a light on that that haven't been done until now with me in in, in my life in this aspect of having this unbelievable gift and opportunity to be practiced right here. So on the seventh step, if you haven't delved into that one and practiced it or the third step and there's different prayers, just keep an open mind. Start reading them, start saying them like Mike was alluding to. And I know Mike had some more stuff on some of the steps that he wanted to say about, right? Right. Well, another item on step seven that helps me daily is not only having a sponsor to call me out on my character defects when he spots them, but also having uh, additional accountability partners. Like I see you in meetings all the time. Uh, if I share in a meeting and you hear self-pity, I give you permission. And this is what I always tell people. I give you permission to come up to me at the end of the meeting and say, Hey, I noticed you were a little depressed or, you know, you were in a pity party. Uh, what's up with that? And because I don't necessarily see them that often. And especially when you're sharing, you're kind of going fast. There's a timer sometimes yeah. in a meeting and you're not stopping and paying attention to uh, what you're sharing at all moments. And so a lot of times my character defects will show up in my shares <laughs> in a meeting. And that's where I have several people in my meetings that I give them permission. Please call me out on my bullshit, you know? And, and that helps me a lot. For sure. For sure. You know, they say like steel, steel sharpens steel. Yes. And, uh, uh, it's interesting. I have, I have a couple people in my, um, in my nursing cohort that, mm -hmm. uh, that so for the mental for our mental health rotation they ended up not being able to go to one of their hospital rotations for whatever reason but the instructor wow. the instructor assigned them an assignment one of the assignments was to go to two meetings oh, right yeah. and just to go sit in on meetings you see it happen sometimes like oh, sometimes yeah. you'd be sitting in a meeting you'll see like three people you've never seen them before right. and they got like a little notepad and shit yep. you're like yeah, oh okay they must be students you know <laughs> like sociology students or whatever or mental health students but uh but i uh I brought one of them into the meeting, oh, uh, my meeting a couple weeks ago, and she just was like, she was just like blown away at the vulnerability 
mm-hmm. and like the amount of love that was flowing through that through that room. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because when she reflected that back to me, I was like, I just became really grateful that I, that I have that. You know, I, be- right. I became because we. I, I think for myself at least, been going to meetings so long that sometimes you don't realize that like what a gift it is to have these and like that kind of shit that you hear in meetings doesn't happen other places no you know people aren't getting that vulnerable people aren't talking um people aren't talking that openly about the things that that affect them and like that day in particular people got like really open about like dual diagnosis stuff like mental health like by you know we had bipolar people sharing in there talking about their struggles and how that pertains to their recovery and how it affects their recovery and it was just amazing and uh um but but kind of tying that in with what you were saying um when we go to meetings and we share we're only there for an hour and a half right or an hour and there's 23 hours of the day that we're not with people in recovery potentially (laughs) so that one hour is when people get to see if we if we allow it people get to see us for how we've really been or how we've been operating in situations if we if we're honest enough to do so and then if we're honest enough to do so um then we have an opportunity for people to reflect back to us what they're hearing or what they're seeing and then for myself that's where like a lot of times the growth comes from and so from for me like uh having men's meetings has been huge i had a men's meeting uh, a few a few years back where like uh I, where i felt like i grew so much from it just because how honest we would get and uh and the things we would talk about um and then you know that steel sharpened steel type of thing like where if i was in self-pity or if i was being dishonest or you know living in some type of delusion my brothers were able to reflect that back to me and 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 then i was able to facilitate change from that point forward if i was humble enough to receive it yeah, right exactly. if i was humble enough to receive it so abandon the ego and it's a, what an opportunity to practice abandoning that ego oh, um it's tough for us and it's tough <laughs> it's tough uh, however, soul punch. yeah, yeah, but but um, <laughs> that hurt, bro. But had had I not done that, had I not got honest in that meeting, had I not had that men's meeting to go to, I'm just floating through life, just doing the best I can, you know. And there's really nobody because out here, out here in the world, nobody wants to ruffle anybody's feathers. Nobody wants to every, you know what I mean. Nobody, I, I see it all the time. Nobody wants to say, hey, like. It's, it's, and it's not acceptable, really. It's not really an acceptable practice out in the world. But in recovery, it's welcomed. Right. And, then, and, and you see the results of that, for sure. You know? And I love that part of it. I love it. Like, for me, that's... Because I'm not always putting pen to paper working on myself. You know what right. I'm saying? So uh, for me to show up to a meeting and share about what's going on with me and for somebody to reflect that back to me, or if I'm in pain and I'm suffering from a character defect, if I pull somebody aside and say, hey, man, like, here's what's going on with me. What, what do you do about this? You know, if I respect their opinion or I, I think highly of them and then they can tell me, hey, here's what I'm seeing or Here, here's what I'm hearing and here's what I've done in my personal life. Um, it's a beautiful thing to have, man. And a lot of people just don't have that out, out in the world. You know? They don't. They yeah. don't. My, my son will be one to say that sometimes. He's all, these people ain't practicing a program out here, dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're lucky you have people to go to you have a therapeutic process you have people that are watching your back i mean these people out here i'm dealing with they're on their own and he's t- <laughs> and it's like you could see it 
and he was first introduced into the programs and meetings. He went with me and when he was, since he was five years old and he sees a lot of our family members see the therapeutic and the benefit of it. And a lot of our family members are closest to us to get to see this process of the change of who we become. People are not only, not only like happy that we have it, but what I've seen that people are like, dude, I wish I had that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, I wish I, dude, that is incredible what you guys do, you know? Especially like I, like I said, with this, with this uh, lady in particular who I brought to the meeting, she was just like, she, she was just like, this is incredible, you know? And it was just, it was awesome. Right. It was awesome. And be so grateful that I get to be a part of it, you know? Whereas at one time in my life, I was pretty pissed off that I had to be a part of it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just so funny. So funny. Yeah, so it's super powerful. We could be talking about six and seven for a long time. And to really work the program, they say this is really what you need to do here on six and seven. If you don't really work six and seven, you're never going to have the accountability to really change who you are. So all these steps, that's why we're doing here. That's why we're talking about it. We're going to be talking a lot about all types of things. This, this subject is so vast. If you can get into big words like metacognition, life is happening for me instead of to me now, to shave off your ego, ego puncturing. There's so much information in the in the 12 and 12, which is the collateral book to practice the steps for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. They have Living Sober and NA. They have workbooks. We showed the workbooks um, that Charlotte helped develop on the last one on four and five when we discussed that, when Pat was on the podcast and up. Uh, Jared was here. Jared's uh, out in Idlewild right now. And if he, he would have all types of different things to share about six and seven, two. And each individual person that gets into the program and starts changing their life develops this way that they have a little bit of their own personal skin in that kind of game, too, and how they'll teach it. Mm. But the, the root foundation and the crux of it remains the same, but you can build upon it. So it's super powerful that we get to, if you haven't read Drop the Rock, I was well into my recovery. I think into my 14th or 15th year that I read Drop the Rock. So once I read that, I incorporated that into the game. So you can't, I can't take you through the steps without reading how important that book is. And, and there's the second book. Right. The Drop the, the Rock, effect. The Ripple Effect. Yeah. yeah. I haven't read that one yet. I did. Yeah. It's very good. So tell us a little bit about the ripple effect on that. I wasn't prepared to talk about that. Ah. <laughs> just wanted to mention that there's another book, but the ripple. Well, it sounds effect. to me, yeah, I was going to say just by the name, the title itself, it sounds it sounds like we're not just talking about character defects and how they affect us, but how they affect the world around us. Yes. Yeah. So this is what it sounds like. That's just what it sounds like. The title from the least. title, yeah, yeah for correct. sure, for sure. Well, guys, we're going to be going into another commercial. Um, for the Super Sober podcast, and that is uh, the remote tax doctor. Go ahead and hit it, Solomon. Tired of the impersonal tax company that treats you like another document in the pile? That's why I switched to Mike DeBrock at the remote tax doctor. Mike takes the time to hear your concerns and is there for you not just the tax time, but whenever you need them. Mike gives many different discounts and free consultations. The discounts include to those in the military, seniors, and people in recovery. He is your one-stop shop for all your tax needs. I went to a tax company for years and switched to Mike this year, and what a difference it made. Let him help you, and you won't regret it. 
Mike can be contacted at 949-257-2428. That number again is 949-257-2428. Or you can be contacted at his email at remotetaxdoctor at gmail.com. That's remotetaxdoctor at gmail.com. Or go to the f3recovery.org website, go to the recovery resources page, and you can see all of his information there. All right, cool. There's a commercial for Mike. Again, we did that on the last episode. We talked about some financial wreckage. We want to always cover some different topics here on the Super Sober Podcast. But six and seven, we're talking about some serious character defects when it comes to finances in the in the material world. That's for sure, right? So we come in here and then we need help. We need help with our finances. And that also goes into eight and nine, but we'll be discussing that on the next podcast, but definitely felt that we needed to get Mike back on here and talk more about um, the process of going through and getting through some of the financial wreckage, or if you haven't had somebody to help you in this area of taxes or bookkeeping or budget doing and all that stuff, which was a huge barrier for me in the beginning. It was very daunting, but once I got a little bit of um, gription, a little bit of uh, positive momentum, a little bit of acts of self-esteem, which they'll call in the program a lot, and then getting to the process of actually getting some periods of work and everything, I started having some people help me and, and digging into that. But we wanted to ask, Mike, he covered some things on the last uh, episode, and I wanted to go on to, you had mentioned you had been in the tax game for a long time and helping people for about 30 years, right? In tax, particularly 23 years. Okay. But I've been in general accountancy for 35 years. Okay. And then we talked about some of the preliminary stuff, but I know we didn't have enough time at the end of the podcast to get into some of the scenarios of the positive stories and the solutions. So I know we wanted to go over offer and compromise, any government assistance or help or anything like that, and uh, how good people feel after taking some action in this process that we've been marinating in or that's been holding us back from moving forward. I mean, this can be a huge barrier to recovery. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like, this is what, you know, it's like, oh, I got, I got sober and but now I have this other thing that just like, why, why should I stay sober if I got, if this is what my life's going to look like? Because I literally don't know what to do about it. I mean, it can be very daunting for people yep. depending on the situation, right? And everybody's situation is a little different, but for right. sure, I'm sure you've seen some stuff. Yes. Yeah. So on the flyer advertisement that was shown earlier, I purposely put the bullet points uh, to reflect the past year's tax returns. And then following that is the offers and compromise. That's one of the solutions that after preparing the past year's tax returns that I can offer to a client is to be able to do an offer and compromise. If that tax debt is so large, um, they they have that ability through what's called uh some people may have heard on the radio, the fresh start program. It's essentially an offer and compromise. Okay. So you're, you're basically going to the IRS, you're declaring how much your monthly income is, what your monthly expenses are and calculating what you have left over after your expenses. 
that would be able to be put towards a payment plan of some sort on your past tax debt if that amount that's left over doesn't qualify you or there would be no way for you to pay that off in 72 months, which is the longest payment plan that's available to taxpayers, then an offer and compromise comes into play. With the offer and compromise, uh, you're able to reduce what you owe to pennies on the dollar. Uh, Some examples that I have of past clients that I've done offers and compromise for I had a client that owed $85,000 and we were able to settle that debt with the IRS for $5,000. 5,000. Did you, were you able to do 72 months on that 5,000? No. Ah. Once, once you get to, <laughs> once you get to your compromise amount or what your offer is, you have to pay that off in three months okay. after the offer and compromise has been accepted. There's also the initial upfront payment that you have to make on your comp- on your offer. So let's say if you're offering that $5,000, you have to send in 20% of that with your application for an offer and compromise. Oh, okay. So, and as such with a lot of government agencies, when you apply for something, it's quite often they deny the first time. Right. Uh, and we're not and giving it, it out that easy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so one of the things that I, I let my clients know that that is a possibility, but the more broke you look, the more likely you're going to get accepted on your first application. So what you're saying is what you thought was a huge liability of some of your financial wreckage getting into the program, usually not making so much money, the few years coming in could actually be an asset. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. And- to file that offer and compromise in a year where maybe your income is lower than it has been is also a benefit to you as well. Um, I have a current client right now that is looking at close to a hundred thousand dollars in combined debt from 2018 through 2022. He'll be definitely looking at an offer and compromise. One of the things that the IRS and the franchise tax board look for is that disposable income after all of your expenses at the end of the month. And if that would be enough to pay off the debt in that 72 month period that they allow California often denies the first and even sometimes the second application for an offer and compromise. Uh, Franchise tax board is the more aggressive of the two agencies on collections as well. So they're more likely to get a levy on your bank account, wipe out your bank Mm. account or send a garnishment to your employer to start getting repaid sooner than later. So it's better to be proactive than reactive with this process. Very much better to get something out there before they find out where you're working and then garnish that way. Correct. And the other great thing about an offer and compromise is once you've submitted your application, even though it hasn't been accepted yet, once the IRS receives it and starts processing it, all collection efforts stop, which that alone can relieve so much stress from a client. Right. Just not having to fear going to the mailbox or (laughs) potentially getting a phone call. They found me. Yes, they found me. Uh, So that's another 
aspect of the offer and compromise that I definitely enforce with my clients is just that freedom to no longer have that fear and dread every day about this looming tax debt. Right. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, nobody knows that that's a thing. They don't teach you that in school. No, they don't. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's pretty it's awesome. Yeah. The only thing really gets taught in school is, well, there's this thing called bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go over a little bit of bankruptcy with us real quick. Yes. So as up. it ties into offers and compromise, the most current three years of tax debt, you are not able to put into your bankruptcy. But anything past three years, you can include in your bankruptcy. So let's take, for example, that client that's looking at $100,000 and about $20,000 in debt per year um, based on not having enough withheld out of his paychecks. And that's usually like a 1099 or well, their own business. So typically the people that, that are behind, huh? Right. So the typical person that would be somebody that would have a tax debt is somebody that's 1099 Schedule C didn't make those estimated payments, thought I'll pay it at the end of the year, but then they don't pay it at the end of the year because they get sticker shock when they see how much it is that they owe. Um, or the person that did not fill out their W form for correctly with their employer mm -hmm. and they're not having enough taken out of their paycheck. Right. Uh, I've had people that will do this little trick at the end of the year. They'll change their W-4 for November, December, mm -hmm. so that they get more Christmas money in their right. paycheck. Yeah, I know people. But then they forget to change it back at the right. beginning of the next year, yeah. and they go a whole year. They go like single tan or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very common. So, the, so back to that example of the person that uh, would be owing like 20000 a year. So in a bankruptcy, only 40000 of that would be eligible for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm they'd still be looking at a $60,000 debt. So I always uh, move my client towards the offer and compromise right. to just deal with because all of like, it. Well, I'm just going to bankrupt out. Yes, yeah. in one fell swoop, just deal with it. Mm. And Then how do your clients usually feel after taking action in this process, especially those in recovery or anybody, right? Yes. Uh, often I get, from clients, you know, I can't believe I waited this long to deal with this. <laughs> yes. um, and definitely there's that sense of relief. Uh, I call it one of the rocks in the bag that we're dropping, right. you know, exactly or rock. getting the monkey off your back. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an incredible program and it's available to everyone. Yeah. So definitely it's time to really start getting all of this weight there's so many great stories i'm sure mike can share for the next hour about that other people including myself with different amounts of debt and then other sponsees and then other friends going through the process where they were just paralyzed and now they're not even paralyzed they they trusted the process of going through the steps they trusted the next indicated step and got them to where they were i mean and i wanted to before the end of the podcast here i wanted because we're winding down here I wanted to give a big shout out to Rich and taking 10 years of recovery, hey, thanks, man. man. We went to a, a meeting and he shared great as always and a happy birthday, brother. Thank happy you. birthday. So much. <laughs> yeah, we got the cheers. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, definitely happy birthday. So we're winding down here on the eighth episode of the Super Sober Podcast. Hopefully, um, we're going to do a shout out here 
So we can be found on our, if you want to email us at info at F3recovery.org or info at supersoberpodcast.org. Just go ahead and reach out. You got any questions, comments, or concerns, or um, to reach out onto, we're on all platforms here. We're on Instagram. We're putting our reels out, and that's on Super Sober Podcast uh, Instagram. Buzzsprout is a universal platform where you can find any listening platform on Buzzsprout. If you go to that, we're there. Spotify, you want to see the video, we're on YouTube. We're also on Facebook page. And we also are on F3recovery.org. And that's F3 Recovery. Um, we have a, a, a UR code you can scan right there, and you can go to the um, Recovery Resources page. And that's a, a story that I wrote, a story of addiction, the deadliest disease that man has ever known. You can check out the one sheet on that. That's a, a spec script for Hollywood. If anybody's listening that maybe have an interest on that, we don't have a signature series for recovery yet. Shout out to Notorious JID right here, the Jails, Institutions, and Death. Um, which is waiting for you if you don't jump on the train of recovery and you're just out there floating alone and you haven't practiced six and seven or any of the other steps. But we're here, we're doing it. And if you go on the recovery resources page, you can see Mike's uh, remote tax doctor and that's on the F3recovery.org. So just reach out to us, right? Any 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 other things you want to add on, guys, with the last three minutes? No. I was thinking about humility earlier and I just wanted to point out like a lot of times people think like humility is like thinking of yourself as like like just low, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I what I learned in recovery is that humility is actually just having that look at of your at yourself of like I'm neither good nor bad, right? Like I have good and I have bad and the guy next to me has good and he has bad and he has good and he has bad and Solomon has good and he has bad. Like we're you know, some of them might be a little bit different right? Like my good might be a little diff different than your good and your bad might be a little different than my bad. But at the end of the day, we're just, that's where we are. Right. And, uh, nobody's better than anybody and nobody's worse than anybody. And then, and, uh, when I learned that, uh, it was, it's, it's been, it's been relieving, right? Because I'm very hard on myself. And so it's, it's allowed me to be graceful with myself. Um, All right. when maybe as, I'm not as good as I want to be, then I realize like, that's okay. Or maybe, and it takes away that comparison that I that I used to struggle with, where like I would compare myself to other people. I don't need to do that anymore because I know that whatever they got going on may be different than what I got going on, but they're no better than me. They're no worse than me. We're just the same. Right. We're all we just look a little like different. And when I learned that, man, it was just a huge piece. So I just wanted to kind of define that for you, at least from my from my perspective. That's one of my favorite lines in the big book. Mm -hmm. The, there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. Yep. Right. Yep. Man, it's it's all in there. Life lessons would be going on. So uh, go ahead and share with some friends and family. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Shout out to Solomon here, our producer at the podcast place in Long Beach. This wouldn't be happening without him. He's super on it with all the different things. Sometimes the slides are a little bit off. Who knows? But everything's working exactly your, the way it is supposed to be. Probably your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my fault. So, yeah, I did. I threw him the PowerPoint. <laughs> Try to put that character defect of my own on. See how that's working right there, right here nope. on the podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. And keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to the Super Sober Podcast. Go to our website at f3recovery.org. That's f3recovery, all one word, dot org. We're turning fight 
flight and freeze into free form and flowing through practicing the 12 steps and staying accountable to change. Don't forget to keep on keeping on.